Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for joining in. I appreciate you being part of the community. I try to make this show both fun and informative. And now that we've topped 180 episodes, I think that we're starting to see some real trends here in entrepreneurship. And for people who listen to the show regularly, I truly appreciate the feedback that you give. And I'm going to ask for a favor. I'm trying to put together sort of a little tip sheet of things that I've learned from hosting this show. And I decided that I could just go through and think about like what was my favorite episodes and some of the best pieces of advice that has been shared. But really, if I just do that, that's just me. So if you're a regular listener to the show, or, or even if you've only heard a few episodes, do me a favor and send me an email at tom, T-H-O-M, at tomsinger.com, and let me know the themes that you hear over and over on the show or the single nugget of information that really inspired you, because I would like to get your input before I put together sort of this body of knowledge that has come out of now closing in on 200 episodes. And if you're a regular listener and you have never gone to iTunes and left a review, come on, do me a favor, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this week is a special week for me in my life. I mean, you may not care, but I turned 50 years old this week, and that's a big number. And so as a birthday present to me, I would love it if the listeners of this show would just jump over to iTunes and, and leave a positive review. Four stars, five stars, stars. How much do you like the episode? Just give a little tidbit of why this is a show that's worthwhile to listening to. That would be like the best birthday present I could imagine. If we go from, I don't know, we have like 125 reviews. If we jump from 125 you know, to maybe 150 plus reviews, that would really make my whole day. So that's my request is my birthday present is that you review the show. And I know a lot of you who listen are thinking about joining the Cool Things Project, which is the group coaching mastermind program, sort of the, the online support group that I have started for people who are entrepreneurial. When I started, I thought it was going to be a lot of solopreneurs, but there is so many different people in the group. There, there are people who work for universities. There are people who have regular jobs. There are some people looking to make job changes, other people who are trying to just make their mark inside the company they work for, as well as some people who work for themselves. So really, if you are entrepreneurial, if you listen to this show and, and, and you're you're inspired by what we talk about, the Cool Things Project is for you. Every single Monday night, we have a little video hangout where we go through and we talk about a theme. We have a closed Facebook page where people will leave little interesting articles that relate to the things that we're talking about. And then everybody who signs up twice every six months gets to do a one-on-one -on -one call with me where we can do a deep dive into what it is that's perplexing you or that you're interested in accomplishing. But uh, I would love it if more people would sign up. We have a small but mighty group, but there's room for you if that's something that you've been thinking about. So today's show, as I'm on the eve of my 50th birthday, today's show, I thought I would talk about the 50 things that I've learned by 50. Now, when I turned 40, which clearly was 10 years ago, I wrote a blog post called 40 Things I Learned by 40, and then I updated it again five years ago when I was 45, and I've gone back to that original post 
cleaned it up a little bit, made a few nits, but for the most part, it's the same post with additional things that I've learned. And it is available on my blog, which you can find via tomsinger.com. It's also going to be on the page for this episode. I'm going to paste in all the 50 things I learned by 50. And uh, I don't have time on an episode that, you know, isn't really long to read everything. Plus, I don't know if on a podcast you want to hear every little thing that's on there. But what I've decided to do is take 10 of those things that really sort of stood out and just share with you why those things matter to me today. And we'll just have an episode where we just chat about the things that I've learned as I as I cross into this next phase. And I'll tell you, one of those things is that age isn't such a bad thing. Now, a lot of people think, oh my God, 50. And and I have a lot of friends who are younger than me. I mentor a couple of guys who are both 26 years old and they took me out for drinks the other night for my birthday. And you could tell they just found it so odd that they had this friend, this person that they get together with and who they turn to and who, you know, they consider a, a buddy who was 50. It seemed like they were partying with their dad or something. And I have a totally different outlook on it. It's, I don't look at 50 as a, a bad thing. And maybe that's because My own dad was 52 years old when I was born. So if you think about that, I mean, we probably don't have many memories of our own parents much before we're five, six, seven years old. My dad was almost 60 before I start having vivid memories of doing things with him. And yet he lived a very active life until his late 90s. He died at the age of 99 and really all but the last year or so, he was really active and really engaged and still kind of with it and and able to do everything that that he wanted to do it well into his 90s. And so I don't look at it that this is some like horrible thing that, oh my God, I'm, I'm halfway through the journey or maybe more, God forbid, halfway through the journey. But if I use my dad as the, as the reference point, he made it to 99, 50 is still the mid-range. And If I think of the last 30 or 40 years, I've accomplished a lot of things and done a lot of cool things. If I have another 30 or 40 years, that's a whole other lifetime. So I have absolutely no problem turning 50. I think that we live in a society that is focused on the young and we see kind of all the young people who are out doing what they're doing and and that's great. But I kind of like having the, the stacked layers of experience in my life. So I don't have a problem turning 50 and I just want to share a few of these things with you. So the first one I picked was number seven on the list is have friends who challenge you to be a better person. Now, I'll tell you, I've been very fortunate. I've had very interesting friends in my life, and and I've always had people who kind of have held me accountable. And in the last few years, since I've become a professional speaker and professional master of ceremonies, I've been a really active member in the National Speakers Association. Now, there's a lot of people in that group, you know, who you can roll your eyes at and say whatever, but there are also people in that group who have challenged me like nobody else. And I just got back from a weekend with my main mastermind group. And if you listen to this show regularly, you know that I have a mastermind group of three other professional speakers. And twice a year, we rent a house somewhere in the country and we move in for two days. And we essentially go through everything. We talk about our finances, about our marketing, about our clients, uh, about what's working, about what's not working. And we go through all that. And then the other three people become like, your unofficial board of directors or, you know, we've been doing this for three years. They actually sort of are my board of directors. They're sort of officially uh, the ones telling me what to do lately. But I will tell you that having a group of friends who are willing to look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then to proceed to make sure 
that they're always giving me advice. It's not just when we're together in the house, but all year long. So if you are, you know, if you've ever been to my website, you know that in the last few months I released a brand new version at TomSinger.com. And the one thing I didn't do at the time was I didn't release a new promotional video for my speaking. And my mastermind group basically told me, don't show up in San Francisco for this next meeting until your new video is ready. And so I was held accountable. I was pushed. And with about two or three weeks before we met, I released the new video. And I don't know that I could have gotten that done without having a group of friends who were holding me accountable. And before the final cuts were made, they all got to look at it and they made some suggestions for some edits. So I think having people in your life who are going to challenge you, hold you accountable, give you that little push, kick you in the butt a little, challenge you to get things done on time, but then maybe to to push yourself. I think that is very key to having the highest levels of success. So if you want to be a solopreneur, I think that's great. I'm a big fan of the whole solopreneur movement. However, I will tell you firsthand, having done it now for seven years, it can be very, very lonely. So you have to make sure that you're not just in that back bedroom by yourself all the time. You have to make sure you have the right support group. And so having friends who challenge you to be a better person, that was number seven on this list. And, and I have to say, I think it's really, really important. So the next one on the list is number 14, and that is staying physically fit is harder as you get older, but you got to do it anyway. Now, I originally wrote that in the original post 10 years ago, and at that time, I had lost a bunch of weight. I think I lost 25 pounds a decade ago, and I was feeling a lot better, and it was hard work, and I had to, you know, it took a lot of discipline to be able to do that, but I'll let you in on a little story. Over the next 10 years, I gained like 15 of that or more of that weight back, and I wasn't really doing the things that it took to be top of my game physically. Well, there's a huge difference between age 40 and age 50, and I will tell you, I was feeling it the last couple of years. I just wasn't on the top of my game, and I certainly wasn't making good eating choices. I was probably drinking too much. I had way too much sugar and carbs in my diet, and I was tired all the time, and When Lent came around, I don't know, back in February, I made the decision that I was going to do something very, that was going to take a lot of commitment, just very big. And a few years ago, I went vegan for Lent. So I'm not, I'm not unaccustomed to using the Lenten season as a time to, to really dive in and try something and commit to something that's going to be hard. So this year I decided I would give up processed sugar, bread, and pasta. Now, when I say give up, I meant cut way back. Didn't mean I wouldn't take a little bite of bread if I was in a steakhouse that's known for having just amazing sourdough. But in the past, I probably would have eaten a whole loaf. (laughs) Heck, maybe two. So for Lent, I decided I was going to be very, very strong about no bread, pasta. And then I was going to limit processed sugar, anything that came in a box with a label. I wasn't worried about eating strawberries or bananas or whatever. But if it came in a box with a label and it had processed sugar in it, I was going to limit it to 15 grams a day. Now, here's the thing I didn't expect. That eliminated almost everything that came in a wrapper. I was shocked. I'd never paid any attention. Years ago when I lost weight, I was trying to cut out calories and fat, but I wasn't really paying attention to sugar. I will tell you, I was blown away by how much sugar they put into everything. So because I travel a lot, I often travel with power bars. And so I traveled with these power bars and they were really good. They had protein in them. They they would get me some energy when I was, you know, maybe a little hungry or a little down. 
But when I looked, they had 26 grams of sugar in them. So I, I, if I was going to eat that, I could only eat half of one a day, and that wasn't enough. So I had to go out and find a different brand of Power Bar that was low in sugar. And I will be honest, it doesn't taste nearly as good. But I found something that I could snack on that was really, really low in sugar if I needed that little pick-me-up in between. And then for my meals, I had to eat you know, more salads, more meat, more vegetables, and less carbs, less, you know, potatoes and, and everything else. But, but really giving up the bread and the pasta kind of across the board was huge. And over the course of Lent, I lost like 10 pounds over 40 days. I mean, the weight just came right off. Now, along that same time, my daughter challenged me to run a half marathon with her. So I did start running, which is something that I had never done before. I've never been a runner. I don't think I could run more than a quarter or a half mile. And now since February, in just five months, four months, I'm up to running three miles four days a week. So that helped with the weight loss. But really, the diet changes was were huge. And when Easter came, I didn't want to stop. And so now I've lost nearly 20 pounds. I think it's like 17 pounds that I've lost. And I am in the best shape of my life. I've never been able to just go run three miles. And if I did, I wouldn't look forward to it. And I'd feel like crap the next day. And now I'm doing it regularly. So I bring this up as one of the ones I highlight out of this list because I've done it. I've not done it. I've done it. I've not done it. But now that I'm in this pattern, I have to say there's something to really being committed as you get older to making good food choices, and staying physically fit. The next one on the list list that I started to bring up is number 19, and this one just makes me smile. This was on the original list 10 years ago, and the original list was printed in an addendum in the back of the ABCs of Networking, which was my second book. Uh, The book had come up a little bit short, so we picked like 10 things from the blog that had resonated well with people, and this 40 Things by 40 was one of those. And number 19 on the list was... If you're not knowledgeable about wine, don't fake it. It's funny because sometimes you're around people who, you know, act like they know all about wine. I don't really know a lot about wine. So I don't, I try not to talk a lot about like the tannins and the oaky flavor with a hint of cherry or strawberry. Beats the bejeebas out of me. I like wine and wine is probably my drink of choice. However, a good, strong, solid Zinfandel or Cabernet, great. But I can't tell you why I like it, but if you poured me two glasses, I'll tell you which one I like better. And I'm not going to fake it. I'm not going to tell you because it's some underlying oaky flavor. It's just because it tastes good. So if you don't know about wine, don't fake it. Probably enough said. Number 21 on the list is you cannot love your kids too much. And what I added to that when I wrote 50 Things I've Learned by 50 is, and they grow up too fast. I'll tell you, one of the highlights of my life has been raising my two daughters with my wife, and they are phenomenal young ladies who are both, they're both driven academically, they're both a lot of fun to be around. The other night, my wife and I had been away, I told you I went out and met with my mastermind group last week. This year, we actually brought our spouses with us, and this was the first time we've ever been able to leave the kids because they're age 19 and 14. We were able to leave them with each other for five days, and it was quite interesting that we just left. But when we got home from our flight, we arrived at the house around nine o'clock and they hadn't seen us in five days. And we hadn't really talked to them other than texting to make sure there was some proof of life going on. We sat up for two and a half hours just talking about the week, what mom and I had had and you know, experiences we had had with these friends in San Francisco and visiting some family. We had a birthday dinner with two of my three older brothers. 
And then everything that they did in the five days of just being the bachelorettes around the house. And it was delightful to sit around with almost adult children and just talk about the world. But boy, it seems like five minutes ago, they were like ages 10 and 5. And we certainly wouldn't have left them home alone when they were ages 10 and 5. But you blink and it goes by so fast. But I am blown away by the fact that you just can't love them too much. And you can't tell them too often that you love them. So that's that's tip number 21. Tip number 30 is a true friend is excited about any event in your life that makes you happy. Now, this one I love because, you know, it is those forever friends that we have in our lives who are always there to support us, who I think we have to cherish. Too often we have people who sort of cycle through our lives, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's part of being human. You know, we hang out with people for a certain reason. We work together, and then we don't work together, so we don't see them as much anymore. Or we geographically aren't in the same area of the country. Or your interests change. People simply grow apart. And that's just part of life. But if you're fortunate, and, and I've been fortunate, you look back and you, and you find these people who have always been there for you. So three weeks ago, I unexpectedly had to go to Los Angeles for the funeral of the mother of one of those forever friends, somebody who I met in seventh grade, who I don't even remember my life when he wasn't part of it. He's like a brother to me. Uh, We were friends in junior high. We were good friends in high school. We went to the same college. We even worked together in college. So we had dinner together almost every night for a couple of years. And, you know, I moved off to Texas and he lived here and we talk on the phone once or twice a week for the past 25 years. And when my youngest daughter had some surgery when she was a baby, we had to stay in California for like 10 days. And his mother invited us to stay in her home so we didn't have to pay for a hotel room. And same thing when my father died, uh, we were there over New Year's and they wanted $600 a night for the hotel we had been paying $300 a night for. And his mother said, ah, come live with us. So of course I had to get on a plane and go to her funeral. And as I was flying out there, it wasn't just him. It was his siblings who I've known since they were in elementary school. It's people who become so ingrained in your life that, that you know their family, you watch their children grow up, you, you, know, you just care. And yet, I don't think there's anything that he or I could do that would cause the other one to say, you're fired. A forever friend accepts you for your flaws, and we all have flaws. Trust me, he's got flaws, I've got flaws, but we're always there for each other. I remember when my own mom died when we were gosh, teenagers. I was living away at college, and I had left my suit at school because I didn't expect I would have to come back up for the funeral. And he drove me from Los Angeles to San Diego so that I didn't have to make a long drive by myself the day after my mom had passed away. Now, those are the type of people you want to have in your life. So when you identify that you have these forever friends, let them know it and let them know that you cherish that friendship that you have with them. So that was, that was tip number 30 on my list of 50. So before I go on with the rest of this show, you know what we have to do. If you're a regular listener, you know that I am a big fan of our sponsor of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And this episode, like always, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. If you want to start a podcast, I suggest that you jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the exclusive offer that they have for the listeners of Cool Things 
entrepreneurs do. So we got a couple more tips here before I say goodbye for today's birthday episode. And that is number 37, people do business with people that they know, like, and trust. And in our social media crazy world, this is more true than ever before. You know, it used to be that that's sort of a cliche, right? People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And those three things, when you had them, were a solid three-legged stool. A relationship could sit very firmly on know, like, and trust. But something weird has happened the last decade, and that is with the influx of all of this social media, the word know, K-N-O-W, it has changed in our society. The word know has become know about or heard of. And we now think that we know everybody. Oh, I know her. I read her blog. Oh, I know him. I follow him on Twitter. Oh, she's my Facebook friend. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you know somebody. It means you read what they choose to put out. And I tell everybody all the time that a like, a link, a share, or a follow is not a permanent relationship. And so we have to remember that, you know, there is nothing there is nothing about knowing of somebody that really means you have a connection in order to have a real relationship you have to have like and trust along with that but we've gotten to a place in our world where like and trust are, are hard to get to and and often overlooked and that means that no is sitting out there by itself where you can't rest, rest an entire relationship because you know about somebody so with the definition of the word no changing like and trust become more important than ever. So you want to make sure that you're getting to actually know people where they know you, you know them, you understand what they need, you know what their goals are, and they know that about you. And then with that, that process of getting to know people, like and trust come along or they don't. And that's okay too. You're not going to like and trust everybody who you meet, but you have to strive to get to know, like, and trust if you want to have real relationships. And as I said, I think that's more important now than ever because I think we're living in a world where a lot of our relationships are really superficial. And if you want to have those types of opportunities that come from having a legitimate network, and a lot of people don't like the word networking, and we talk about this on the show all the time, networking is just the creation of long-term and mutually beneficial relationships where everybody finds more success because of the relationship than they would without it. And if you want that, and I argue we all want that, people tell me all the time, I hate networking. Well, how do you hate long-term mutually beneficial relationships? Nobody hates a long-term mutually beneficial relationship, and that's what networking is all about. We can bastardize the definition to be schmoozing and putting business cards in each other's hand and trying to get somebody to do something for you, but that's really not what it means. So we're, we're changing the definition of networking to make it negative, but in reality, it's just having these ongoing positive relationships. And if that's what you want, you cannot have them without no like and trust. So number 41 on this list is don't worry too much about what others think of you. I will tell you this one is hard for me because I'm a person I want to please people and I always kind of grew up caring what people think. And I think that stopped me from getting on this entrepreneurial journey early because I was worried, oh, what if what if I fail? You know, people will talk about me behind my back. Well, you know what? Even when I succeeded, people talked about me behind my back. So I would say don't worry too much about what people think. I mean, you don't want to be totally devout or uh, divorced from the idea of like doing good things that, that matter. Sometimes bad people say, oh, I don't care what people think. That's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying go out and be the best you and try the hardest and follow your dreams and go for what you want to accomplish. And don't worry about the people who might roll their eyes. When I first said I was going to become a professional speaker, there were a lot of people close to me who thought he's crazy. He's not going to make it. Who is he to go and do that? There's an old there's an old story. I don't know how true it is, but it's a story much overtold probably by speakers, and I call it the lobster story. And the concept is that you can store live lobsters in a box with like one or two foot sides without a lid because anytime one of the lobsters tries to crawl out of the box, the others will grab it with its claws and pull it back in because nobody wants to see anybody sort of get out and, and go off into the world. They want to hold everybody down with them. And if you're worried about what other people are going to think, they're grabbing you with their claws and pulling you back down. If you have a goal, if you have something you want to go after, go for it and realize that if you fail, that's totally okay. Failure is part of the journey. That's part of life. If you look at the most successful people out there, they've all failed at something. And the people who say, oh, I've never failed at anything, they're lying. I mean, when I look at the presidential candidates and they never want to talk about any of the mistakes that they're making, you know, I wish somebody would just stand up and say, oh, yeah, I totally screwed up there. I'm just like you. But they don't because they want to appear somehow, you know, that they make no mistakes. Well, that's fake. We all make mistakes. So don't worry so much about what other people think about you if you're an honest and good moral person who is going out to chase your dream. Let them talk. And if you don't reach the dream and you reach something else cool along the way, so what? But if you do reach that goal, they're going to be like, oh, wow, look at that. So don't be so concerned about what others think. Number 48 on the list is be honest with yourself that some days you're going to have bad days. Sadness and depression are real. And I think in our society, we don't talk enough about this, that sometimes people go through and, and they sort of hide their sadness or their depression because they're afraid what people will think. But it really happens. And, you know, I know I dealt with some of this and we talked about it on the show that, you know, it's it's hard, you know, especially, you know, when you're, you know, a middle-aged person to actually, you know, realize you've got a lot of good things going for me. Why Why aren't I happy? And sometimes, you know, we just bury it. And I think that makes it worse. So be honest with yourself that, some days you're going to have bad days and some days you're going to have feelings where you're going to be frustrated or sad or depressed. And instead of hiding it, go get help if you need to. Or, you know, put on some music that's going to, going to help change that mood. Or go and talk to that forever friend who will let you vent about whatever's going on that's making you feel sad, even if it's unreasonable or something you can't even put your finger on. You know, don't run from it. And I, since I've started to just realize that that happens, I have become a lot happier in general. Once I put a name on it, instead of trying to run from my own emotions, once I put a name on it and admitted it and said it out loud and talked about it on this show and talked about it with my wife, I found it's much easier to deal with those little things that come along. Now, I'll be honest, I don't want to undermine like people who fight real serious you know, issues with, you know, depression and things like that, because that's not what, what I've dealt with. But it can be real, even if it's minor. And so just be honest with yourself and make sure that you're seeking, seeking that level of help. And then number 50 is sort of how I started the show. And that is that I said, there is nothing wrong with getting older. And it's going to happen no matter what. So just enjoy this stacking and layering of experiences and realize that all of the experiences that you've had have led you to a better place than where you maybe were 30 years ago. I mean, I would love to be 21 years old again, but I would only want to be 21 years old with all of the knowledge and sort of the, the, the 
the awareness of the mistakes that I've made along the way. Because going back and being, you know, young and bulletproof and stupid again, I don't know if that would be very much fun either. The only way I'd want to do it is if I could keep the knowledge that I've acquired over the last 30 years. So don't hide from it. As I said, my dad was an older dad, so I don't look at old as a bad thing. He had a very full and exciting life. And I think that, you know, from 50 forward, probably will be the best time of my life. And I'm excited about that. I'm not running from it. I'm not hiding from it. I, I've been telling people I'm 50 when they somebody says, oh, how old are you? I've been saying 50 for the last six months. And people who know me are like, why are you saying it early? Don't say it early. I'm looking forward to taking that ob- obligatory photo of me holding my AARP card that apparently comes in the mail the week you turn 50. We'll see if they noticed me. But when you get that card, people post it and say, I wasn't ready for this. Oh, no, it's horrible. I'm thinking I want to turn to the page that says where you get all the discounts. If you're a member of AARP, you know, supposedly you get like savings on things and I want my free stuff. So I have no problem getting older if I get free stuff. So the final one I'm going to highlight today is actually number one. I read up the list, but I skipped this one. And so the number one thing on my list of 50 things I learned by 50 is those who have achieved real success in life, and I mean success, whether it's financial, emotional, spiritual, you will find that those people rarely criticize your dreams and aspirations or the dreams and aspirations of other people. Instead, the people who have achieved real success, they look for ways to share their own experiences to help lift other people up to the highest levels. True success doesn't really come with jealousy. True success comes with the desire to reach your hand down and help somebody else up the ladder. So if you see people who are petty and jealous, you can realize that they haven't reached the best level of success. And I'm not just talking about money. There's a lot of people out there who are very successful who are struggling financially. But emotionally and spiritually, they're wealthier than all of us combined. And there's something to be said for that. And as I get older, I realize it's not just all about money. I mean, yeah, I want my business to succeed, and I'm working hard to continue to grow my practice. However, realizing that success is, to each person, different is really sort of a freeing thing that I don't think I could have understood when I was 20 years old. So at 50, I sort of get it that no reason to be jealous, no reason to be petty. I got a lot of good things going for me. My wife and I have been married almost 25 years. You know, I'd make the joke that she still likes me most days. And we have two great kids and we're having fun. We had a great time on this trip to San Francisco. We, I think I mentioned we brought our spouses along to the mastermind group and we went out and celebrated uh, my birthday and the birthday of one of the other people who was in the group who had a birthday the week before. And we rented a sailboat and went out and had some fun. And then my wife and I were able to visit with some friends and have dinner with my brothers. And on the flight home, we were sitting next to each other on the plane, and we just said, that was just nice. And there's something to be said for just having a nice time. And I get that more. I appreciate that more at the age I'm at. So thank you so much for tuning in to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do and for sharing my birthday episode with me. As I said, if you want to give me a present, go to iTunes and fill out a review Give me five stars for the show and tell us why you like the show. That would be great. Or tweet about the show. Tell someone about it. Visit our Facebook page and leave a comment. Or if you want to be a deeper part of the community, go ahead. Join the Cool Things Project. There's plenty of room. The water's warm. Jump on in. 
Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.